Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The summit is what drives us, but the climb itself is what matters. Conrad Inker. Yeah, it was, I think what amazed me is just I feel like at that point in my life, I wore like, I had like a nicer backpack. I had good hiking shoes. And some people are doing it like with a water bottle in hand and like they're wearing Converse's. And I'm like, how did you do this? Like, you must have taken the train. I know, right? Like, do you just take the helicopter to the top, get dropped off, and then you just walk down? Like, it's crazy to me. I think, and the hike up to the half to the subdome after you give me your permit and then it's just so steep to get to the subdome i'm like this is it this is it this is great this is done and then you look and you're like oh boy okay just bottle up all those nerves and let's just go i'm doc and this is the john freaking mirpod Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirtbags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute to help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest, an adventurer with lots of outdoor experience. Emily Latour is a travel nurse who has really taken the travel piece to the next level. She's been all over the country experiencing the outdoors. Welcome to the John Freak and Pod, Emily. How's it going? It's going good. Happy to be here. You excited? Yeah, I'm very excited. Nervous, but good nerves. nerves. Good nerves. Good, good. It's good to be a little bit nervous. That's that's good. Yeah, keeps you on your now, toes. I know you've had a lot of outdoor adventures. Have you picked up a trail name along the way? I have not, actually. Um, just Emily or M. <laughs> just Emily or M. Okay. Waiting for someone to give me a trail name. Well, that might happen tonight. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Have you listened to the podcast before? Yeah, I've listened to a couple episodes, my long drives. Okay. Just want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of each episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some outdoor wisdom with our listeners 
to make their next experience even better. Perfect. Okay. The must bring gear review. All right, Em. Another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day adventure, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Em, what do you have to have out there when you're when, when you're adventuring in the outdoors? Definitely, I think I would need a good pair of shoes um, and some decent socks. Um, so I guess at the time, whatever shoes I have that are broken in right now, I'm using some Solomon trail runners that I really like, um, as well as Smartwell socks are, have been a kick of mine lately that, or probably like a good fitting backpack, which I recently found one that has fit in me perfectly. Um, and that's an Osprey one and it's been great. So those two things I think can make or break your hike. Yeah. You got to keep the feet, got to keep the feet happy. Yes, <laughs> for sure. And Osprey, very popular pack. A lot of people use Osprey. Yeah. I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> I love mine. It's newer and it's been fantastic. So what type of adventuring do you do? Are you are you a section hiker, a day hiker, a, a through hiker? I'm definitely a day hiker. I haven't done any overnight hikes yet. That's like one of the things I want to do this summer. Start getting into that. Um, definitely a day hiker with usually if my base camp's like a tent or I recently got a camper or just wherever I'm living um, while I'm on the road for work. And I have two dogs that come with me too. So day hikes are a little bit easier <laughs> with them. What kinds of dogs? I have a 12 and a half year old Collie Lab mix, Cooper, and then a almost two year old English setter, Chase. Cooper and Chase. Yes. Very good. And then we have back home where I live, we have one more dog, Muggsy, who's a lab mix and he's five. So we have a full house of dogs. <laughs> you are definitely a dog person. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's the hiking pole. All right. The next segment we do is called the hiking pole. And then that's pole with P-O-L-L, -L, like a survey, not like the, the thing you hold in your hand when you're hiking. And this survey is going to help me give you a score on the sanity scale between one and a mm hundred. -hmm. All right. With one being completely insane and 100 being completely sane. Where, where do you think you're going to fall on that scale? Um, uh, I think a little bit more on the sane side. I think <laughs> I haven't really done too many. Oh, oh. <laughs> I haven't done too many insane hikes or anything like that yet. I think. <laughs> okay. So you, you play it pretty safe usually. I think so with the day hikes and usually pretty prepared for what I'm doing. So I think I'm pretty sane. Okay. I guess. Now I have two sets of questions. One set of questions is kind of designed for section hikers or through hikers to you know the kind of gear and equipment and opinions on on stuff out there and i also yeah. have another set of questions uh that really deal with some of the big issues facing society okay um it's really both those questions give me some insight into your your personality and your way of thinking and it, it enables me to give you a score which set of questions would you like to try the through hiker one is that just through hikers and backpackers and stuff yeah, it's about equipment and uh, preferences out there on the trail. I think we will do the society one because I haven't really through hiked or anything like that. So okay. stick with that. All right. I love I love your courage. You have you have no <laughs> idea what you're getting yourself into. We could sp easily spend uh, an, an entire episode on one of these questions, but we're just going to get your quick reaction, maybe a brief explanation and that's okay. going to help me determine, you know, your, your, uh, what's, what's going on up here. So, okay. all right. Question number one in the hiking pool. One of the big, big questions. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Never. No, no. Why not? Cause it's a fruit. It belongs in a bowl. So no fruit on pizza. No, no, just fruit in bowls. That's okay. it. <laughs> no, no. Is, is tomato is tomato a fruit or a vegetable? I'm gonna go with vegetable just because of my previous. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure your argument works. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now this this my, the scoring of this survey is completely subjective. It's whether okay. whether or not I agree with you. 
because I'm the okay. host. And it's, you know, it's my oh, podcast. Boy. So I think I that one. From your so I don't. I don't want you to. I don't want you to tell me what you think. I want to hear. Don't. Don't try and read my facial reaction or anything. Just you know, shoot it straight with me. Sounds good. Okay. Question number two. Do you roll your toilet paper over or under? I don't pay attention, I guess, to that. It just goes on whatever way it's facing. Hmm. I don't know. Neither way bothers me. Okay. I think it's under right now. I think. <laughs> she looks like she on. wants to go check just to make sure. I, <laughs> I think it's under. <laughs> as, think it's- as soon as we finish tonight, we know where she's going. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. Question number three. Do you use the Oxford comma? No, because I'm bad at English. I don't even know what that is. Okay. All right. So in a simple, in a simple list, in a simple series, like if you're going to say red, white, and blue, how many commas do you use? Do red comma, white comma, and blue. Okay, that's the Oxford comma. That second oh, comma so yeah, before that. the end. That, that, that yeah, is the you Oxford have to have a comma before the end, yes. Have to have it right there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Does that make me good at English then? That's good, yes. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you get rid of the Oxford comma, everything just starts slipping. I mean, we're yeah, talking no, about the end of society. Yeah, it just, it's one, you it just turns into one quick phrase. You need to pause after every one of those mm-hmm. things. Okay. Question number four, Netflix or YouTube? Oh, Netflix. Yeah. Netflix. What, what, and why is that? Why Netflix over YouTube? Because YouTube for me is like how to do things and on my phone. And then Netflix, I pay for on the TV and it's just separate. <laughs> Got it. And what, what kinds of shows are you watching on Netflix? You got any good ones that you're in, invested in right now? Netflix will always Grey's Anatomy always that's just like that that's the background show when I'm doing stuff and don't pay attention I, um, I mean you're a nurse you're a nurse yeah. I, I have a nurse in the family too and and she she claimed that she could do a running whip stitch way before she went to nursing school so oh yeah she watched like, Grey's Anatomy after I watched the first episode yeah yeah mm-hmm. but you do learn you learn a very important nursing school in the very first episode a nursing skill in the very first episode of Grey's Anatomy, though, I will say that. And I say it in my head every single day, every day. But yeah. Well, so don't, keep, don't, don't keep us in suspense. What is it? So when they put you on, when you go, come into the ER, they put you on the cardiac monitor. There's three colors, um, red, white, and black or gray, whatever color it is. And it's whitey, righty. So white sticker goes on the right, smoke over fire. That's it. Okay. And they say that literally in the first episode. So you can be a nurse after the first episode of that. There you go. It's a lot cheaper to watch, to pay for Netflix and watch Grey's Anatomy. How many seasons now? What, 18, 17? Oh my, I, don't know. I don't even know. 20, I, I don't know. They might be in their 20s. Who knows? Yeah. It just it runs. <laughs> okay. Question number five. I think we're five. Sure. Question number five. Let's see here. What is your most useful skill in case of a zombie apocalypse? Hmm. I think that I can probably hide really well. I hate hide and seek, but I can probably hide really well because I don't think anything else would kill them. Do you have much experience hiding? Um, No. So why do you think you're so good at it then? Lots of uh, babysitting when I was younger and lots of games of hide and go seek. So, and I feel like you're just not going to win in a zombie apocalypse. So you might as well just try and ride it out somewhere. What would be the best hiding place in the area where you currently are? Hmm. Like in this condo? Maybe not the condo, maybe in your community. Oh, I was going to say, if it was in the condo, definitely maybe like up, there's a fireplace. So maybe like up the chimney, just like stay in the middle of the chimney. Um, in the community. Uh, I mean, you can get like really, really far into the mountains. I bet there's probably some shelter in the middle of the mountains. I'm in Colorado right now. So you could probably find some shelter somewhere in the middle of the mountains. 
that's probably a good approach. I, that's, that's a much better approach than trying to stand up in the chimney. Yeah, I think so. It'd probably be a lot easier too. I could probably like nap in there or something. I'm not napping in the chimney. I'll be up for weeks. All right. All right. Question number six. Would you rather always live 10 miles from where you were born or never be able to settle down in one place for more than a year? That's so hard because that's like, I've just been so not settled for the past year and I can't wait to go home. Um, but I think, yeah, not being set. I would rather not be settled for more than a year. You don't want to be tied to, to one place forever. You'd rather have to, yeah. to move around quite a bit. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Okay. And question number seven, should the person in the middle seat of an airplane get both armrests? They should not get a single armrest. The person in the middle should not get a single armrest. No, they should get the they should get the one the armrest closest to the middle the walking path in the airplane. Okay, so the the window seat person has the window and the armrest yes. next to the window. The person on oh. the aisle has access to the aisle and has, of course has that armrest. Because of those benefits, does is it is it justified for the person in the middle just to lay claim to both of those armrests on either you side? You know of what? I forgot about the armrest by the window. So I think, yeah, they might get both of them. I completely take back my initial answer. They get both. Okay. And would you, if you're stuck in a middle seat, I mean, and you, you walk on the plane and you're sitting between two strangers, would you immediately stake out those armrests? I mean, would you just uh, exert your your will? No, I don't want to be a burden. So I would just like try and make as less room. I would take up as less room as possible. <laughs> you would just give up both armrests and not have a window or the aisle and just, you know, accept that. I think I would let like see what happens and let them like figure out what armrest they want. And if we're taken off and they haven't taken one of the armrests, I'm, I'm stealing that one. Then. You're, you're a stealthy armrest stealer. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Someone leans over to pick something up. You, you, the arm slides in. Yep. Gone. You take your hand off that armrest or your arm off that armrest and it's mine. It's a free game. All right. Yep. Let me take your answers. I'm going to put them through the John freaking Mirpod algorithm. I have to do some math yep. here and we'll, we'll see what happens. So I, I have to carry the two and divide that by root three. I'm going to multiply by pi. And we're going to adjust for the temperature currently at the top of a 14er in, in the Rockies, because you're in Colorado. And I come up with a solid score of 64. Okay. I thought it would be higher with you, truthfully. I was 64. sort of thinking like 60s, 70s, maybe. Yeah, I don't okay. Know. That's sort of kind of in my wheelhouse that I thought. All right. Is that Would that be consistent with what your family thinks of uh, your sanity score? I don't think so because I don't think they're pretty much like aware of all of the other insane things I could be doing. So what they think I do is crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think to them, they think I'm definitely insane. I'd probably be like a 20, but like I could, I could step it up a few notches still a hundred percent. Okay. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's, let's back up a little bit and let's hear about your background. Where'd you grow up? What kinds of sports and hobbies were you involved in as a kid? And how did you get involved in, in outdoor adventure? So I grew up in Massachusetts. That's where I live now. I live literally probably 10 minutes from the town I grew up in. Um, so we grew up like camping, tenting, and we would hike like the mountains that are just around us. There's not too many huge mountains in Massachusetts. They're like 2,000-ish feet. Um and then like Mount Monadnock in New Hampshire. I don't know if anyone might know that. That's a little bit more well-known. Um, but just doing that and like tenting, wasn't really aware, I guess, of the whole hiking, national parks, backpacking. I wasn't really aware of any of these things that I would ever imagine doing. Um, and I pretty much, growing up, I like... I was athletic. I played like soccer, lacrosse. I, I ski raced a lot and that's why I'm in Colorado in the winter <laughs> to do that. So I guess my, my hobbies sort of 
push me to go the the places that I end up. And then I have been expanding what I like to do slowly now that I've, I'm an adult. Um, but yeah, I've always sort of kind of been athletic and just didn't really know what the whole, like everything in the United States and the world could had to offer until I got older. And I keep finding out new things I want to do. <laughs> okay. And so you grew up in Massachusetts. How many, how many brothers and sisters did you have? Do you have? I have one, one younger brother. One younger brother. And mm-hmm. is he also in the medical profession? He is not. He is a lineman for National Grid. So he works on like the power lines. Right, right. And is he currently in Massachusetts as well? He is. He lives just south of Boston. So okay. he's a uh, he's a big boat guy. He lives oh, really? at, like by the ocean and yeah. Big boat guy, <laughs> definitely. He was just here a few weeks ago skiing with me. So he likes it. Or he snowboards, but he came out. Okay. Now you you mentioned earlier a camper. Mm-hmm. Are you are you um, traveling the country as a travel nurse in a camper? So that was my idea when I got it. Um, I lived in. I took the camper up to Maine. I worked up in Maine for a little bit. So I did that this past summer. I lived in my camper, which was awesome. Um, before that, I did like a little road trip to test it out because I like sold my old one. I had an old one I used a couple of times, but was not for me. So I bought this newer one, did a little road trip around New York because I've never really, New York wasn't really a state I'd been to, um, just to like tow the camper and just use everything in it before I commit to living in it. Um, and I gave myself a little two-day buffer to get myself up to Maine and went up to Maine and lived in it. Uh, I plan on living in it more um, and traveling. I was actually going to go, instead of New York, I was going to go to Yosemite and the Tetons and visit there because I've never been there. Um, but then, you know, that little mudslide thing happened this summer. Yeah, so that sort of put a damper on those plans. <laughs> um, but my plans this summer to do more stuff like that um, I would have loved to bring it out here, but a little cold and it's definitely not a four season camper. Um, so but, tell, us about, tell us about the camper. Is it a, is it a, like a motorhome or is no, it a travel trailer? So it's like 24 feet and I pull it behind my truck. Um, it has like one bed in it. You can pull the couch out, has a little kitchenette, bathroom, shower. So I like fully can live in that totally fine. And, and so when, when you went up to, you said Maine, right? You went up to Maine? Mm-hmm. Yep. When you went up to Maine with the travel trailer mm-hmm. and you lived in the travel trailer, wh- where would you park it? I parked it at a campground. So I lived in a campground just to have utilities and pretty much I needed really AC for the dogs because they were in there when I was at work and it was the middle of summer. So it could get pretty hot and trailers like a tin can. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed that. And then the way travel nursing works and you get paid, you need to like, duplicate your living expenses and what you pay to live in a campground suffices for that. And, you know, the whole IRS that can get in the way. Got it. Got it. Now, what, what type of nursing did you get involved with? Do you have a specialty? Yeah, I'm an ER nurse. I have a little. An ER nurse. Wow. Yeah. I have a little side job in the ICU, but mainly an ER nurse. Okay. So I'm sure as an ER nurse, you've seen a lot of things come through the ER. Yes, definitely a lot of things, but those paramedics clean them up and they make them nice and pretty, pretty pretty-ish for us. (laughs) Pretty-ish. Yeah, as pretty as they can make some things. (laughs) Okay. Now without violating HIPAA, you know, what? (laughs) don't name any names. Don't, don't give, you know, too many identifying details, but what, you know, what, what are some of the worst things that you've seen come through the ER? Um... Well, then that makes it really hard for the identifying details, but um, probably like I've, you know, like seen some brains, some eyeballs pop out. Things of that nature are pretty (laughs) intense that I've seen. Yeah. Um, So those things I don't want to ever be able to see, you know, these need to stay inside the body. Those are bad. So they come to us. Um, But yeah, those things are (laughs) It gets a little gory. Yeah. And I forgive my ignorance, but if an eyeball pops out, I mean, is it able to be put back in? Um, It like, it kept suctioning itself back in and like do it itself. Yeah. 
it was still functional afterwards? I'm not too sure. That went okay. to a to a higher level of care and yeah. Yeah, emergency room medicine is is kind of like being a junior high principal. You only have you only have them for a short period of time and yes. then you move on to to the high school. You move them on somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know what happens with them. <laughs> they just I see these things and then I like try to patch them up more and we try to fix the problem real quick and we fix all the we fix the emergencies and then send them wherever they need to go. Yeah, you're you're kind of addressing maybe some low level stuff that people come to the emergency room where they really didn't need to come to the emergency room, or you are taking care of some major trauma, trying to stabilize stuff and move them on to where they can get more help. Yes, pretty much. That's okay. what we do. Okay. That's a perfect explanation of that. Oh, good. Hey, all right, all right. <laughs> this is not just a, a a hiking podcast. We also talk medicine here. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm sure one of my listeners is going to write in send send me an email about whether or not an eyeball still works after, you know, coming out and going back in. I don't I don't know. That that seems <laughs> very disturbing. I'm sure on Google they can probably give you some very nice videos of it. There's everything on there, so. That's right. You know, and I grew up in a time when everybody did not have the entire world's knowledge in their pocket on a smartphone. You know, when I was a teenager, we yeah. used to have to look stuff up. We used to have to, we, we could have arguments with each other as, you know, as, as teenagers tend to do. And, you know, we couldn't fact check them in real time. We, we would have to just, you know, agree to disagree without being able to prove the other person wrong. Oh, geez. <laughs> that's like not, that's not a thing anymore. No, no. I, I mean, literally anything you want to know, you can find out <laughs> in an instant. I mean, it's, yeah. there, there's no, not a whole, whole lot of hard work to that. No, it's a good, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing. Definitely. Okay. Now what, uh, what are your ultimate goals with nursing and medicine? Um, I like being a bedside nurse and I'm pretty much doing what I have always wanted to be doing. Um, with nursing, my whole dream was to, go to a place where I can ski and work and just have an awesome winter. And I'm literally have been living my dream the past three months and this is it. This is what I wanted to do. So I got to, got to figure out what I want to do next. All right. So take us through the typical week of M the ER nurse. So like this week I have this week, I tried to pack in a bit more because I will actually move home next week. Um, so what did I do Sunday? I definitely, hmm, I'm actually going to pull in my calendar because I can't even remember. They all mesh into one. If when I worked, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. So Sunday I worked, um, Sunday I worked Monday. Um, I worked until 1am. So I slept in a little bit Monday. Um, and then that was a pretty slow day for us. I just like, we are I brought the dogs on a hike and we just went like to the park next door and made dinner. Pretty slow day. Tuesday, I skied at Winter Park. Um, Wednesday, I worked again until one in the morning. So Thursday, I slept in again. Um, and then we drove a little bit further. We went up to Boulder County and hiked um, El Dorado Canyon State Park. Um, so we did a pretty cool hike up there and it was way colder than I anticipated. Um, and then today I skied at Copper Mountain and tomorrow I go back to work. Okay. So how many days a week do you actually work usually? Three. And I can pick up, I sometimes I'll pick up overtime, like for another four, right. 12 hours if I want. Yeah. So the nurse, the nurse in my family is my oldest daughter. She is a labor delivery nurse. Oh, that's so terrifying. Similar <laughs> schedule. She worked. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. When she was living at home with us, she would tell stories. I'm like, Hey, I'm eating dinner. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't need to hear all, all the details. Yeah, no, it's, I don't need to see any babies being born. Nope. They need to go right upstairs. <laughs> all right. Now, so you, you don't plan on living in your, your camper. No, I, maybe not right now. Mm -hmm. Um, right now I have another job set up back home. So I'm going to go live in my house, um, a couple trips with the camper and going tenting this summer, but we'll, uh, we'll see. I don't really know what's going to happen after three months. I don't know where I'll work. 
I could live in it again. I could go somewhere like this where it probably wouldn't be the best choice. So we'll see, but definitely in some point in my life, whenever it happens, I do want to like live full time, like camper and just travel the country. And whenever it's time, it'll happen. I think. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you watch YouTube? We talk about YouTube as being instructional videos. Do you watch YouTube on van life and kind of get tips from, from folks out there? I do. I try to do as much as I can on the camper and it's not a lot, but I try to do what I can. And YouTube is where I learn how to do those things. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back after hearing from the advertisers, we're going to hear about some of your trips out West and in the Northeast. Stay tuned for that. For that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Through hiker owned Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Emily Latour, or as she said, just M. And we've heard about her background and uh, what she's doing to to pay for her adventures. Let's talk about some of your past experiences out on the trail. I know you you stick mostly to day hikes. Um, Where have you been in the U.S.? Has it just been strictly U.S. or have you gone international as well? I have not been international. I've just been in the United States. Um, I've been to Zion, Yosemite, Yosemite. Right close to me is Acadia in the White Mountains. Um, been up to Baxter State Park where Katahdin is, um, Bryce Canyon, a bunch of places. <laughs> okay, let's start. Let's start with uh, somewhere um, that's pretty well known in the country, and I think that's Mount Washington. Mount Washington typically is known for some really intense weather. I think it just set the record for 110 below uh, yeah. a few weeks ago, which is just yeah. mind-boggling. 
yeah, Mount Washington was actually the first um, 4,000 footer I've hiked in New Hampshire. Um, there's 48 of them trying to do them all. Um, so I did that back in 2016, me, my best friend, Anna, and my dog Cooper actually hiked it with us. Um, we hiked it in June. So it was like beautiful at the bottom. Didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. You know, we were just like, I don't even think, yeah, no, I was probably like maybe early twenties, late teens then. So was not too sure what I was getting myself into. Definitely did not have the right gear or anything like that. I think I just wore like a sweatshirt. Um, and we got to the top and it was, it must've been like 30 degrees. The winds were like blowing my dog across the parking lot. It was awful how bad the weather was, but when we got to the bottom, super happy, totally forgot about what the weather was like up there. Um, but yeah, definitely that sparked me wanting to start doing the 48 in New Hampshire, um, just from how awesome that felt after and how accomplished it felt like, we hiked Tuckerman's Ravine, which I would definitely suggest if anyone's looking to do a Mount Washington. Um, it's difficult, but totally worth it. Okay. Now let's talk about, you said you were maybe a little Ill, Ill prepared. Let's start with, with your, your footwear. What were you wearing on your feet? I was, I remember I bought these shoes and I don't know what brand they are, but there were some hiking shoes I found at like, it's called Bob stores. I don't know if they're anywhere around. They're like similar to like a Marshall's or something like that. Okay. I think they're probably just labeled hiking shoes. And I was like, Oh, these look good. Sure. I'll do that. Yeah. Nope. Those got replaced real quick. <laughs> okay. And what, what are you wearing now? How have you, how have you changed? Um, I, they, those ones were trail runners and I still stuck to, I still have just done trail runners and I'm in some Solomon's right now. Mm -hmm. I really like those. Yeah, those are those are a good brand. A lot of a lot of through hikers are wearing Solomon's out there. Okay, how about uh, we, did you carry trekking poles? No, and I still don't. You still don't? Nope, I have oh. never really trekking poles ever. Your, your score just went down another four points. <laughs> You're now at sixty. What what is your aversion to trekking poles? Nothing. I get. I don't use anything just because. Usually I'm hiking with my dog. So if I'm like putting them on the leash and off the leash when people are coming and stuff and with the poles, it would just be too cumbersome. So I just mix them all together. But I think I might need to get some soon. You know, my knees and my old age are feeling it. Your old age. <laughs> now, how was that? How was hiking Mount Washington with your dogs? Um. So just one of them went with me and mm -hmm. he did great. He's done all my 4,000 footers with me so far. Um, and that one, he definitely gave me a heart attack. If there's a little waterfall on your way up and he decided to, you know, look right over the edge of it. And, but he's good. He's like hopping on all over the boulders and everything. He does great. Okay. He just came out of the bedroom. He knows we're talking about him. <laughs> His ears were burning. Now, how yeah. many, how many of the 48 have you done? believe we've done 14. It's taking us quite a bit, but we're working. I hope to, when I'm home this summer, to kick a few more off the list. Now people can get pretty obsessed with the 48, 4,000 yeah. footers in New Hampshire. That's usually what um, I plan my vacations around when I am doing them. I pick whatever mountains I want to hike and I find a campground near there. Um, and we do those lately. I've been picking ones that are a little bit shorter for Cooper because he's getting older and I want him to do as many as he can. Um, but yeah, they want, some people want to do them just in the winter they want to do it in one winter, one summer, one year. And I just working and having other things going on. I, this just not feasible for me, maybe someday, but I mean, it's been how long, what, eight years and I'm still not even halfway through. So, Yeah. Have you heard of uh gridding or gr the grid? No. Isn't that, isn't that where they, they, they try and climb every mountain, every 4,000 footer uh, in every month of the year. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've heard. Yeah. That to me, I don't know how people can do that. I have zero clue. Yeah. That's this, bonkers. Intense. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Now there's, there's a train that goes up to the top of yeah. uh, Mount Washington as well as a road. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, frustrating. Like, frustrating as a hiker when you get up to the top that uh, other people are up there that didn't do it the hard yep. way. Yes, absolutely. And it was also very tempting to take it down, <laughs> but we didn't. <laughs> it was very, uh, it made me and my friend feel very good though. Cause we started the hike with like some, a group that parked next to us. And we, when we got to the bottom, we saw them getting off the tram at the same time. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that makes us feel good. I feel athletic. Like <laughs> accomplished. Yep accomplished now also in the northeast you have acadia national park yeah. right yeah and you, you have some experience in acadia yeah i've been there a few times uh very first time was probably the worst um it was like six hours away from home i was just still new into camping by myself and it downpoured for eight weeks straight me and my dog in a tent <laughs> and all of the food and everything i like prepped to cook was on a grill outside which I couldn't use because <laughs> so that trip got cut a little bit in half and we drove around. There's a bunch of lighthouses up there and stuff. We saw those, but we did get up to um, the top of Cadillac mountain, which was, we stay at um, Blackwoods campground. I really like that one. That's one of the state campgrounds. Um, and you can hike up to the top of the mountain. A lot of people like to do it for sunrise um, from that campground, which is very nice. And, Everywhere is just beautiful. You have the ocean right there and all the rock faces just right going right into the ocean. And it's a very beautiful, like eclectic Maine national park. Right. And you, you took one trip where it ranged out and the other trip, uh, you had a little bit better luck. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I've done a couple trips up there. I went with my dad one, a couple of times and his wife and we did definitely the, my favorite hike would be like the beehive um beehive and precipice trails though you can't have dogs on because you're hiking like rungs um but they just have beautiful views of the ocean and there's a little beach there um definitely those are two hikes you need to knock off and there's a pond that you can like hike around and a bunch of hikes they can you can just go forever they all connect you can make them as long or as short as you want and it's really great i really like that park and do people camp uh overnight on, on, on those trails? I haven't seen anyone camp overnight, but usually we're back like before, like right around dusk. So I guess people probably wouldn't be setting up camp. Um, but everything's so it's on an Island. It's on Mount desert Island. So it's not the biggest area that you can through hike. You probably could walk through the whole thing. I would imagine in a few days or something like that. Um, but I haven't really seen anyone do that. Okay. And you mentioned rungs. How dicey is the rung section? They're not too dicey. It's not too scary. No. If you can, okay. hike up a, if you can hike up a couple foot ladder, you're good. Okay. All right. Nothing like you see often like China with these insane, no. <laughs> insane uh, hiking trails where you have to clip in and you're walking on these rungs. Yeah, no, none of that. Okay. And you also have some experience out West. Yeah. So we just did, I got just, I got back last May, um, before I moved up to Maine from a trip, I went to Utah with, uh, three of my friends. Um, Anna, the one I hiked Mount Washington with me and her, I like to do a trip mostly every year, um, to go do something, go somewhere. We've been to Yosemite. Um, we had two other girls join us to go to Utah. We went to, from Vegas, we flew into and went to Zion, Bryce Canyon and back. And we did Angel's Landing, which, We'd want to hike. We've wanted to hike that for a while. I've wanted to hike it since I went to Zion, like for my very first trip um, back in 2016. That was like Zion was my first place I ever went to, like, and started exploring the national parks. Um, so I really like that. It's like home. Yeah, tell us about Angel's Landing because it's it's a pretty famous place and it's 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 a pretty dangerous place, right? It is definitely pretty dangerous, but. After doing Half Dome in Yosemite, that was nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that gives me a good comparison because I've done Half Dome. So this is, I haven't done Angel's Landing yet. And in fact, we were, we were taking a trip, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, a uh, driving trip back to Colorado. And we we're going to go through uh, Utah and stop by Zion. And I, I told my kids, let's, let's do Angel's Landing. Yes. They, they did Got a little, little research and they're like, no way, dad, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. 
it really wasn't that bad. If it gets a little windy, that's when you're just, they have um, chains going up that you can hold on to. Mm-hmm. So if it gets windy, that's when you just really hold on to the chains, but was nothing compared to half dome. And it's only, I want to say it was around a five mile round trip. Um, and just the ending of it, that's the only part that gets dicey. The rest yeah, of us, it. I mean, describe it for our listeners who maybe haven't heard of Angel's Landing, haven't seen it. I uh, don't know exactly what we're talking about here. What tell us tell us about the path and, and what it looks like. So Angel's Landing, when you first start, has a ton of switchbacks, and you think you're done and you go around a corner, and then they just have tighter, steeper switchbacks. And then you finally get to the top. Um, it's another like base area where I think there's even like bathrooms there. Um, but then you start getting to just rock faces that are just sheer and you can literally just walk right off and fall to the ground. And they, I don't even know how tall it is. Honestly, it's gotta be like, I don't even know. Like, do you know what that is? Like a thousand I don't know. Feet I'm assuming like hundreds, hundreds of feet. Yeah. It's crazy. And so you're just walking on maybe four foot, a four foot wide path at some point that just drops down on either side, just to the ground that is hundreds of feet below you. Um, at some points when there is an incline, you have rungs um, to just help you get up the step ups. But especially even when there's like groups that are passing each other, um, you have to just find like a sort of kind of a safe spot to get off to the side, let them pass. And then you can come, you can go up. But when you get to the top, it just opens up and you have a whole view of the whole Zion Valley. And it's definitely worth the hike. You do need a permit, though, if you want to do it now this year. Or I don't know when they started it. We need one this year. Yeah. And we talked about being able to look up anything at any time. I just looked that up while you were talking and some of the drops are up to a thousand feet. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it is no joke. People have died on that hike. Yeah. I can imagine just even if it's rainy and you do it, or some people do it in the snow, like anytime you just slip and fall and you're just done. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend doing any kind of, unless you, unless you are an expert and you have all of the right gear, I would yeah. recommend doing any any wintertime ice ice or snow hikes uh, with sheer exposure like that. That's that's no. very dangerous. Definitely not. Yeah, and let's let's go back to one of my favorite topics, and that's Half Dome. I I, I want to hear about your experience going up to the top of Half Dome, because and then I'll share my experience. Half Dome was a trip. Um, getting there was insane because we got our lottery the day it would be our first day in Yosemite. Um, and we were supposed to arrive like at a, um, Airbnb the night before, like 10 o'clock at night. No, no big deal. We had a few hours to sleep. It was like an hour away. So we would have been fine. But one of my friends connecting flights got missed. So she didn't arrive in, I want to say Fresno. I think we flew into, she didn't arrive in Fresno. She actually ended up, she missed our connecting flight to Fresno. She ended up driving from LA to Fresno. And then we drove to our Airbnb. We didn't get there till like two in the morning. And then she, well, both of us, both of us, we, I want to say we maybe slept three or four hours maybe. And then we started off and took off for the 16 mile hike just to get to, I will never see anything like Half Dome ever again. Just this massive rock face with the, what seemed like toothpicks that just hold you, I think. They're just like toothpicks in the stone that I was not prepared for. She thankfully brought us an extra pair of gloves for me because she knew I was not <laughs> prepared with gloves. But I can just remember thinking, going up and holding onto the chains and just thinking like that someone on the top could slip and fall and just take us all down. And I just remember that the whole time because you, I know it's not 90 degrees going up half dome, but it definitely feels like it. And it especially feels like it going down. And the whole time I'm just like, someone could fall and then we're just all done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You hit a lot of the points that, you know, that was my same experience. Um, I had a buddy and his son who did it the summer before and mm-hmm. you know, we got, we got permits and uh, for the following summer and I asked him, Hey, how was it? And he goes, Oh, it was great. It was great. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> he didn't. 
That, that's it. I mean, he didn't he didn't give me a whole lot of explanation. I, I heard there was cables that you that you use. They call them yeah. cables that, that you go and it's like 45 degrees. And so I'm, I'm thinking in my head, all right, I mean, I didn't get a big reaction out of my buddy. Yeah, this, this is this is going to be a piece of cake. And you kind of glossed over the point about getting there. Right. Because it's it's 16 miles round trip. So it's eight miles. Yeah. Right. You start off with and you're going up the mist trail in Yosemite which is no joke. You're going up by no. Nevada Falls and, and climbing these huge rocks. And, and uh, it's, it's a, a, a quite a bit of exertion to actually get to the sub dome of half dome, which is kind of the lower part of the, of the, the mountain you have to climb up. It's pretty, pretty severe, pretty steep before you get to the sub dome, sitting at the bottom of the sub dome is a ranger in a chair and he's checking permits. Did you have that experience too? I did. And I was so curious, like, if, do they do this five days a week? Like how many days a week do you do this? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, again, the Ranger, not helpful. He didn't, he didn't no. give any explanation. It's nope. like, all right, check your permit. And he's like, all right, go ahead. Permit. You're, on, go. you're on your own. You're on, you're on your own. There's no instruction. There's nobody directing traffic because there's, there's traffic going up and there's traffic coming down. And some people have like safety gear clipped into the cables, which I yeah. had no idea about. Nope. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't have gloves. And so oh. <laughs> I'm going up, I'm going up. These guys are coming down. It's a free for all. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking the same thing you're thinking that, you know, I get, I get jostled or bumped the wrong way and that's it. That's it. It's no joke. Yeah, it was. I think what amazed me is just, I feel like at that point in my life, I wore like, I had like a nicer backpack. I had good hiking shoes. And some people are doing it like with a water bottle in hand and like they're wearing Converse's. And I'm like, how did you do this? Like, you must have taken the train. I know, right? Like, do you just take the helicopter to the top, get dropped off, and then you just walk down? Like, it's crazy to me. I think, and the hike up to the half to the sub dome after you give them your permit and then it's just so steep to get to the sub dome i'm like this is it this is it this is great this is done and then you look and you're like oh boy okay just bottle up all those nerves and let's just go yeah we we sat down and we just kind of watched for about 15 mm -hmm. minutes just kind of watched yeah. the flow of traffic and what people were doing you know there yeah. are boards there's there are boards on the ground kind of uh i don't know lengthwise in front of you yeah you like step perfect. on yeah. You step on, but they're like, there's like 15 or 20 feet in between them. Right. So you, you step on the board and then you got to use the chains to pull yourself up. And you're right. It, it, I was told it's 45 degrees. There is no way that it's 45 degrees. It's, it, it felt like it was 70 degrees at times. It felt like I was climbing straight yeah. up. Yeah. I think, I think a reasonable is 60, 70 degrees, a hundred percent. It's definitely not 45. Yeah. And then I don't know about you, but I evidently did not drink enough water on the way because I got to about 40 feet from the top and both my hamstrings and both my quads started cramping up. Oh gosh. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I got nothing but open space underneath me and I've got another 40 feet yep. to go. You got to push through. Yeah. And the worst is when you get to the top and the cables stop and there's still a little incline. So like we were on all like our, our feet and I had my hands on the ground, like just bear crawling up to the top. Cause I was like, I don't even want to stand up yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we went, there was an, there was an Amish group maybe that, that also oh. was there. I mean, they were, they were, they had like, you know, long dresses on and, and like old time look like farmer clothes. I don't know, but they were, they were up there and they, this, this really freaked me out because you're standing on top of half dome. And you know, the diving board and the sheer cliffs are on, on, if you, yeah. if you just, if you just got off the cables that are off to your right or straight in front yep. of you, right. They get up there and they, they decide they want to explore going down to the left, which, you know, is the, the curved humpback of, of, yeah. dome, which freaked me out because I'm just thinking you walk too far down that way. You just like slip over the edge. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't know what happened to them, but uh, I, I couldn't watch. Hopefully you're still out there. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah. But then after all the fun's done, then you get to go down the cables. Yeah. Which I think was probably more scary because I definitely remember walking, starting to go down forward. And then I was just like, Nope, I got to turn around. And then I just back went down backwards just because I felt like I had a better center of gravity. 
and you yeah. pretty much just like slid from those boards from board to board. Right. And if you're going down backwards and you're sliding from board to board, you, I mean, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. You're looking over your shoulder, trying to figure out, you know, who's oh, yeah. behind you. But again, very easy to, to bump into somebody, jostle somebody. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, oh, it, yeah. I, I, I would have thought that there'd been a ranger, you know, kind of directing traffic. You got you five guys go. Okay. And, and then he's going to say, yeah, hey, you guys right. come down. No, no, no. There's no, no, nobody directing traffic. Go Just send it. And yeah. it amazes me too. Like, I know people do these crazy things, but like that they are like allowing us to do that. And it's just like, they know the risk and like what all of us can happen, but they're just like, have fun. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. That's right. In a world where everything else is regulated, yeah. where, you know, you have to wear your seatbelt. If you look at your phone and you, you're driving by a, a, mm -hmm. a CHP or a you know highway patrol, you're going to get a ticket. But yes. yeah, go ahead, climb up those cables on go a seven ahead. degree ascent. You, That's you'll be what fine. I know people, they like, they'll climb up El Cap and like, they'll like free solo, like they'll do that. But like, no one's regulating that. There is actually someone that is like, oh, good idea. Have fun. <laughs> Just letting it happen. That to me was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of terrifying, but it's also, you know, part of that, you know, American spirit of being able yes. to go out and explore and do stuff, which yeah. I really appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Those hikes are like why I do what I do. Like I find a hike that sounds like awesome. Got to go do that one. Then we pick the next mm -hmm. one. Got to go do that one and just keep on going. Yeah. Any other great Yosemite experiences that people should try out? Um, we actually, the next day, I believe after we did that, we just like drove by cause you know, our legs were screaming. Um, we just drove around Glacier Point, which is beautiful. Um, and then we also went, I want to say like, get what it is, but they had all the redwoods, the giant trees. You could like hike through that and there was a little walking path. Um, and then we also hiked Yosemite Falls, which was fantastic. That was definitely, I think that was our last day in Yosemite. We did that. Um, and that was just an incredible hike because I mean, there's no waterfalls like that in Massachusetts. We got like four foot waterfalls. So just to see these great, like probably thousand foot waterfalls is insane. And I'm hundreds of feet away and getting soaked by them. Like I was not expecting that. Okay, Emily, I've got, I've got something for you. When you have a three week break, yes. you can apply for a permit that starts in, in happy Isles, just in Yosemite yep. and heads south for 211 miles. Okay. And it ends up on top of Mount Whitney. It's called the John Muir trail. I've heard of that. <laughs> heard of that. Okay. So I want you to look that up and, and study that. That is a great, if you're gonna if you're gonna start uh, through hiking, that would be a great start. That will be on my list, definitely. It's epic, definitely epic. All right, how about? I mean, you're in Colorado now. How much hiking have you done in Colorado? We've done some day hikes, um, just around here and there, just around my skiing schedule. That was pretty much the the reason I came out here, so I wanted to do that. But, um, like, I think honestly, the best one I did was yesterday's that El Dorado Canyon. We did like Rattlesnake Gulch and just beautiful views. There's like a continental divide um, outlook. So you can see it's just massive everywhere, massive mountains. It's been amazing out here. I don't want to leave. And you said you're going back to Massachusetts for a job. Yeah. What, yep. is, it, is it nursing? Yep. Yeah. It's a travel job. It's they, you can do local travel jobs. It's okay. a little bit, it works a little bit different. Um, but I got a job there for three months. So I'll live at home for a bit, which I'm very excited about because I haven't for like nine months. Mm -hmm. so. Now with travel nursing, they make more per day than just your, your regular nurse in a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're also responsible for your, your own benefits. Yep. Yeah. Usually we don't get benefits. Sometimes you get some, um, like usually they'll offer retirement or they'll offer, um, health insurance. It's sometimes not the greatest. It depends. There's like a bunch of agencies out there. So it depends which one you work for. Um, and then also the main reason why we make more is to offset our living costs. Cause out here, like I have a mortgage back home. I have to pay for housing out here. I pay for a condo. Um, so it's pretty much to pay for that, um, to pay for your travel out here. I think it's 
it's not listed in our contract, but I think there's a little minor inconvenience fee from being, you know, 2000 miles away from home and everything. But I have definitely, I think, found the joy in it and really have, I think, gotten the most out of what I can out here. I've done a bunch of, seen a bunch of things that I never even thought existed. And I went up to the Rocky Mountain National Park. I didn't do any hikes. Um, I want to do a couple of them, but every day that I have planned to go do that, it's snowstorming and probably not the best thing to go out there by myself, I would think. Um, and then like, I live right near Red Rocks, which is pretty cool. And been down to Garner the Gods. Everyone should always check that out too. That has been, that is beautiful. Yeah. I've been there myself. That's, that is very cool. Yeah. Okay. Big, big demand for travel nursing. There was like during COVID, I think because a bunch of people were getting away from bedside and a little bit after COVID, but now it's starting to die down a bit. Um, the rates that places are offering aren't as much and there's just not a lot of hospitals I've noticed, I think are getting away from using travel nurses, which that's their choice. And <laughs> It is, but I don't know who's going to work because mm-hmm. everyone wants to be a travel nurse now, which I don't blame them. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of upside to being a travel nurse. I mean, look, look at look at everything yes. you've seen and been able to experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, is it ER medicine that you're going back to in Massachusetts? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Is that where you want to stay? ER? Yeah, I'll probably do that. Yeah. I, uh, I work in a children's ER right now, and then I'm going to go back to a critical access ER, which is just like a small, small ER that we stabilize and usually transfer out. Got it. Got it. All right. What's the next big adventure for just M? I'm going to, I think I'm going to tackle the overnight hikes. There's a couple uh, (laughs) this summer. Um, My boyfriend Bennett has done them. So he's going to, we're going to do it together. And there's a couple of those 4,000 footers up in New Hampshire that are like 30 plus miles, I think, or you can make 30 plus miles. So hopefully knock a couple of those off my list. Um, we have a tenting trip up in Vermont planned this summer, as well as we're going to go back to Acadia too. Okay. Sounds like an exciting jam packed summer. So I'm very excited to get back home. <laughs> All right. Hey, just M, do you know where we are? I don't know where the picture in the back of your thing is, but. I don't know where that is. <laughs> I'm in Colorado. <laughs> well, the picture behind me, that's that's in the Sierras. That is uh, oh, okay. Evolution Lake off right off of the, the John Muir Trail. Oh, perfect. I will see that soon. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you will. But actually where we are. The pro tip insight of the week. Yes, that's right. Half calf. It is time for just M to tell us some of her trail wisdom uh, to share with our listeners to make sure their next outdoor experience is even better. So what do you have for us? Any advice? I think if you want to do something, you just got to go do it. Cause everyone's going to tell you not to, not the right time. You shouldn't do that yet. Like you just got to go do it, whatever it is. If it's a day trip you want to do, if it's moving 2000 miles away from your friends and your family, you just got to do it. Cause it's just going to make for the best adventure. Yeah, there are always plenty of reasons why not to do something. Yes, there are. For the perfect time, the perfect conditions for this or for that. And if you're always waiting for the, all those conditions to clear up or, or to be satisfied, you'll never go. So you, yeah. you just have to uh, pull the trigger and get yourself out there. Yeah. Just got great, great piece <laughs> of advice. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Emily. I want to thank her for joining this joining us this week. Em, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? So I actually started a blog this summer so they can catch me on my blog um, that I've been, give it a little bit because I'm figuring everything out on my own, um, but it's called Explore RN, like registered nurse. So explorern.com. Uh, and then my Instagram too is explorern with an underdash. So they can usually try to keep those pretty updated. Nice. And what do you include on your blog? I've been doing like the, all the adventures that we've been, I've been doing, um, the road trip out here. We did a road trip in, um, the fall to North Carolina. So just what we've been doing on those, um, try to attach like day trips 
I did a little segment like day trips from Denver where like if people are traveling out here, they can go do um, and ideas um, of thing activities to do. Um, so we're sort of kind of and also like tips on like how I travel with my dogs because they come everywhere with me and it's a little difficult to do sometimes, but <laughs> try to want to spread some wisdom on how to make that a little bit easier. Nice. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have any comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. And before we wrap things up, I've uh, got another section for you called uh, The Adventure Media Recommendation. This is where we're looking for you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail. What do you, what do you have for us? Anything, any recommendation? Yeah. So actually the book that introduced me to hiking and all this stuff is uh, Wild by Cheryl Strayed and definitely my favorite book. I know it's probably a popular one. I don't know if someone else has said it, but read the book first. I know there's a movie out there, but definitely the yeah. book is well written. I think the movie in particular and, and the book uh, helped with a an explosion on the trail. I think yes. numbers really <laughs> went up on the PCT after that came out. Yep. That and then um, I read this past summer, Odyssea, and that's about hiking um, or actually trail running the Appalachian Trail. Let's so. check that one out. I haven't I haven't heard about that one. Yeah, that was a pretty good. one. I like that. OK. What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up, one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What do we miss tonight? Um, I think maybe one of the, one of the other most awesome hikes I ever went on, um, was probably Knife's Edge on Mount Katahdin. So it just goes right to the end of your AT hike, but Knife's Edge is definitely something that everyone that's hiking the AT or just, I hiked just Katahdin for the day trip and definitely should do that one. Did you run in and did you run into any through hikers finishing up? No, I didn't. I was a little sad. <laughs> Wrong time of the year. Yeah, we did it in July, I want to say. So probably a little bit too early. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Emily? I think we'll shout out to my uh, my adventure partner, Bennett, my boyfriend. So he's been helping me, supporting me, doing everything I want to do. He's back in Massachusetts and cheering me on doing whatever I want to do out here. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. Doesn't care if you want to go downhill. Doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs>